Hey guys, welcome to Begging Boardcast, episode number 337. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is The List, the comic books that come out April 26, 2017. And we follow it up with our weekly rotating main topic. And even though it's almost the end of April, we're going to take a look back at some of the comic books that came out back during the month of uh, March. With Jughead the Hunger. Didn't read the it. The one shot. Oh, I did. You guys can talk about oh, it. Oh, okay. We, well, can, we can talk about I it. I said only if uh, you guys had time. Like, I didn't, you know, I didn't think it was all. We will talk about it. That's okay. Yeah. We, can talk, we can talk about it. Uh, X-Men Prime, number one. Read it. Mara Karate, number one. Read it. Yeah. That happened. Read it. Read it. Uh, Teen Titans Annual, number one. Read it. Uh-huh. Okay. Was there another one? Yeah, uh, John? yeah, Rat Queens number one. Rat Queens number one. That's it. Dug it. I read that one. Read it. So I don't have. I didn't write everything dig. down like I normally do this time. So you dig I'm it? having to defer to you guys on the creative teams for books since I don't have them in front of me. No, that was an old internet joke because you said Reddit, so I said oh, dig because of the two websites yeah. that were kind of. I got it. Okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pay attention to the fact that Paul said I'm just gonna take a sip of my drink. Yeah, mm. you just take a sip. And I after, was. I was. After, after that sip, why don't you tell us about that drink? I was filling time, so he could do that. Well, I did too. Oh, good. I think he's ready <laughs> uh, by now. I, I, I actually had so much time, I took another sip. Uh, I am drinking zips? Fruitwood from Founders. Fruitwood mm-hmm. is the next part of their barrel aged series, and this is a cherry ale that's been aged in maple syrup bourbon barrels. Uh, sitting in at eight point zero percent. This isn't too big of a big boy. Um, it's a lot lighter than I thought it was going to be. I assumed this was going to be like a darker beer. I thought this was going to be a stout. I didn't realize it was a uh, cherry ale when I when I purchased it. It's not bad. Um, I think this is something Paul would put at like a four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for for me, this was this was like a two point seven five. It's not quite even at bargatory level. I mean, it it delivers on what it says it is. It's a cherry ale, it's got like a nice little pop to it. It's got a nice fruitiness, and that kind of levels out into like that vanilla maple syrupiness from the um, the bourbon barrels. But I don't know, there's not a lot else to it here. Uh, I, I think I might put one of them in my fridge and let it cool down, see if maybe I like it a little bit more that way. But I don't know, I mean, picked up a four pack of this. I'm assuming I'll drink the other two at some point. I don't know when, but. I'm, I'm not wowed by this. And See, that much was, like I have like everything else that they've had from their Barrel Age series so far. And that was the thing that I, I said about it. I said, you know, it's it's not worth the price of a mission to get this beer. This, Cause nothing... Did you get it in a four-pack too, John? No, I did a tasting uh, okay. at work with um, different people at work, and nobody in the room liked it at all. And mm-hmm. I did it warm and cold. I did it side-by-side side because I was like – hey, let, we can probably taste the difference between these. And I talked about all doing beers warm and cold, and it tasted the same, basically. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, ooh, geez, why'd John make us like gather together to try this? And I felt slightly embarrassed. But then like on... But then I was like, hey, everybody, don't worry. My friend Paul gave us four stars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's then, not bad, though, but... Then on a KBS day, everybody's like, oh, I, I see why he was excited about it. 
and why he was so let down by it. Yeah, uh, has this soured your thoughts towards any of their other bourbon barrel stuff, John? Or are you still just hoping that the rest of it kind of hits that CBS or KBS level? Or um, so far, what the things that are coming out, like uh, they said that they're going to release Doom again, which Doom. was uh, their Double Trouble IPA aged in bourbon barrels. Uh, they also are putting out, um, a, they're calling it a malt liquor aged in bourbon barrels. It's a American Wild Ale oh. aged in uh, uh, bourbon barrels. So that's another one part of the series. That's uh, going to tear the roof off the frame? I think it might. Or tear the door off the frame. Right? Yeah. Um, and I'm, no, I'm looking forward to those. Uh, KBS this year I thought was good. I haven't um, tried it yet. It felt uh, it felt just a little thin on the back end, um, but it didn't sour me to KBS. Actually, last year's did, where I thought it was way too big. Mm-hmm. When we've had KBS in the past, it's been so smooth. You could drink it right away. It aged nicely. Um, KBS last year, I bought a bunch of because I loved KBS. This year, I only bought one four-pack. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's it didn't... Um, I don't think anything Founders has done could sour me to that brand. I'll pick up anything new they get. I'm really excited. They have the uh, stovepipe cans. They're like 19-ounce cans of oh, all-day yeah. uh, mm-hmm. IPA, which I, I I can get the beer in a six-pack, but I want to get that huge can just to have had it out of that big can. Out of the, Yeah, because then you can use them, uh, you get the rope, and then you got nunchucks. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Didn't think about that. All day IPA nunchucks. Yeah, you can nunchuck all day. <laughs> so, uh, what beer are you nunchucking right now? Uh, we are drinking from our one of our favorites, mm-hmm. Lagunitas. This is Born Again Yesterday, an unfiltered ale. This is a seven percent IPA. This was bottled, I believe, um, last week. Well, then not yesterday. Uh, no. But this is um, the... Uh... Did this come out on Easter? No, but it, <laughs> I did get it in this week. Because, uh, you know, born again, just saying. It was... Um, this is the uh, harvest time for um, Southern Hemisphere hops, like uh, hops from New Zealand and Australia. So they are brewing this unfiltered, juicy, delicious beer... Um, with the fresh hops that were just harvested from the Southern Hemisphere. This beer is delicious. I drank three of these yesterday. My wife drank two of them. Like, just so easy, crushable, and 7% you would not know. It drinks like a session. It does. It's it's very smooth, very light, but it has that sweetness. I'm enjoying it. This is this is like a 4.25. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would give it. I would give it a rating around that. Um, you guys are had, making fun of my rating system. We had the born yesterday uh, back in the fall, and it knocked our socks off because mm-hmm. we did it with other fresh beers. Uh, the next beer we're going to be having is called Too Juicy from Two Roads, and that was canned on April seventeenth, and it's the twenty first today. Yep. So it's only uh, seven. Five days. Five days old. We, we were doing that before the show. We're I like, know. I'm like, oh, that's only a week old. And he, no, he, and John's like, no, 
the 17th. Uh, I have that weird thing, and I think a lot of people do, where you get two digits confused a lot of times. Uh, for me, it's four and seven. Okay. <laughs> like, I hear 17, and I immediately, like, you know, 14. You always think four. Because you see, the, yeah, okay. I, you know, sevens and fours, for whatever reason, I uh, I will often confuse when I'm doing mental math. Gotcha. I, you know, I, I, I saw, like, oh, the seven, 14, 21, like, they go in that order, so 17, 21... And you were like, oh, seven days. Okay. I, that's where I took your mm-hmm. crazy math. No, I, you said 17. I immediately pictured in my head 14 and then <laughs> got 21 because I heard 17, but I, you know, pictured 14. You know, people, I, I think that a lot of people do that. Crazy as I'm, a week ago, I was actually working. Where were you working? Did uh, you I was actually working at the Star Wars Celebration. Ooh. Yes, I. Uh, w- one of the companies that I work for uh, was one of the sponsors of the show. I'm oh. not going to say anything more than that, but. Uh, okay, good. Because when you said you were working it, I thought you were just hitting on girls there. Nope, that's nope. that's what Paul does. <laughs> that's why I love conventions. Uh, but it was an awesome experience, except I kind of had to hear about everything secondhand. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working in the actual celebration store, and they had all the. Uh, big panels happening in the theaters, but they had a screen on the main floor where if you couldn't get into the panel, you could actually watch it there. So from across the uh, show floor in the store, I could hear people like screaming and yelling about things. Uh, Some of the big things that elicited those big responses were Harrison Ford just randomly showing up because literally nobody knew he was going to be there. He wasn't planned at all. Uh, in um, fact, he wasn't sure he was going to be there because he just got into a plane and, you know, it happened. No, kind of crashed there. The big joke of the convention, everyone's like, oh, yeah, he just happened to land on the roof. And it was like, oh, where am I? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but then John Williams actually showing up to conduct the orchestra during the Music of Star Wars uh, show was really cool. George Lucas being there, Samuel L. Jackson didn't appear in person, but he sp- uh, sent a special video to the convention but probably what got the largest response was the unveiling of the star wars the last jedi teaser trailer on saturday i guess because uh this was the thing that i uh i saw in the morning that it was teased that this movie was gonna get uh Mm -hmm. the trailer and then uh like at noon it popped up and i went and i grabbed a couple people at work and was like Star Wars trailer's up. And the one guy was like, you going to watch it? And I was like, yeah. And he started walking away. He's like, well, wait a minute. And he's like, it's like let's just let me, I got to put this thing away. Just wait a second. So I was like, all right, man, I'll just meet in the back and I kept walking. And he's like, will you wait for me? He was so upset that I might start it without him. That And was, his name well, let, was Randy. Right? <laughs> let's, let's be honest. I mean, you start it without him. And then you, like, as soon as you see him coming, you like reverse it. And be like, oh, I was just getting queued up. Mm-hmm. It's buffering it. It's buffering. It's buffering. Uh, yeah, and then, yeah, we, I had just told somebody that it was coming out, and when I walked past him, I was like, hey, it came out, and he's like, whoa, and he, <laughs> he ran to the back, too. He jumped up and did the, the, uh, crazy, uh, up in the air, spinning the yeah. legs. Whoop, 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 become, yeah, the legs become, like, uh, wheels on a car. Yeah. Tires on a car, and then sped off after you. Uh, but the trailer itself gets you pumped for the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh. So I, pumped. I like the look of everything. Uh, Paul, did you see the A-Wing? I did see the A-Wing. Paul's favorite is the A-Wing. Yes. 
I was very excited. It was a modified A-Wing. You know, so it looks pretty cool. Looks pretty, because those are the best ships. They're the, they're the fastest. They're the interceptors. They're the flankers of the uh, Rebel Alliance or the Resistance Forces. Resistance yeah. Navy? Did they? Uh, Resistance Armada. Armada? Okay. Because it's the Imperial Navy. But yeah, uh, it, look, okay. it looks pretty good. I'm excited for more. I mean, of course, it's Star Wars, so there's just more questions that pop up out of it. No no real answers. Yeah, you're wondering, man, does, does Luke really think that the Jedi are evil or were wrong? Well, I, I don't think he thinks they're evil, and this is like where where the fun of Star Wars comes in. Mm-hmm. Now it's just all the jumping aboard the speculation train until Christmas when this damn thing comes out. Oh, um, because they show like a small shelf of books, and I think when he was doing his Jedi walkabout, he realized that the Jedi have just been so kind of distilled down from what they were when they started becoming like tools of the Senate and the uh, the old Republic. So I think what he has there is proof of what the Jedi actually were meant were to be. and what they were supposed to be, and that's why he says, you know, I mean. Spoilers for the teaser trailer for a movie coming out later this year. Uh, the Jedi have to end because they're not actually a Jedi anymore. And he's the only Jedi. Yeah, and he is. Uh, and that was that was confirmed. Uh, also, the title of the Last Jedi solely refers to Luke. The the one question I have, okay, is uh, how do I get a sweet sweet a wink? No. Oh, okay. I think they're the worst planes in the Armada. <laughs> oh. Uh, no, I the, you the question I have me. is uh, Kylo Ren's scar. Yeah, it changed. It's in a different spot. Yeah. The, the new director's like, yeah, it looks cooler. Here. <laughs> is then, that really what yeah. he said? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Pretty much. From what I read, the director's like, yeah, looks better here. Is it in a different spot? Because it's over the eye still. It, I think it's I think it's in the same spot. No, or it could have just you, been like you, a flipped image, mm-hmm. though. If you look, it actually runs from like between his eye and his nose up his forehead. Mm. In the movie, that's where he gets slashed. And now it's cutting through his eyebrow. Mm-hmm. You can look up and see the two images. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like an inch and a half to the right. You know, Bonka Tanks. Banka Tanks. Baka Tanks? Back to? Back to Tanks? Uh, aren't an exact science. Sometimes like, they have what? to stitch. If in the movie, in the movie, if they show that that got healed and then he got a scar for another reason, okay. Oh yeah, his, that's because his dad wasn't there to teach him how to shave. <laughs> oh. That's what happens. Oh, Han Solo. So he has. Uh... <laughs> Anywho, anyway. movie looks good. Uh, we also got a little teaser trailer for uh. Battlefield 2. Oh, yeah! It was a Battlefront. Battlefront 2. Battlefront 2. Battlefront, yeah. Uh, that looks really uh, good. Now it's single-player mode. Yeah, and I'm Which excited. Is what I want. Mm-hmm. We're, we're in the same boat, then. It's one of the reasons... Also, I... uh, also announced, too, you'll be able to unlock things by playing the game. It won't actually be DLC. Good. What a novel concept. So, it's already on the disc, and I have to play it to earn it? Yes. I'd rather just pay for it. I'd rather just pay for it because I haven't got time to play my video games. Uh, this is something I would. I this is the thing that kept me from getting the first one is just being on my online playing. I'm not yeah. a huge online playing fan, 
Yeah. Uh, and then I heard mixed, you know, after a while people just got bored of it. Mm-hmm. So to have the actual campaign and to play single player, I prefer it. Imperial side again. You'll be yeah, part of the Imperial Stormtrooper. Navy. <laughs> Is it a Navy? It's the Imperial Navy. Right, can I see some documentation? Yeah, I can pull that up. Uh, I, I think it looks like a really good uh, trailer. So, Navy. Uh, yeah, is that uh, is that the Star Wars? Can we close the book on Star Wars and move? Uh... From Wikipedia, Imperial Navy. I don't think we had anything else. So, I mean, if we're going to close that book, we could take a look at some books coming out this coming week. Would that be April 26th? Quite possibly. And Paul, what are you looking forward to? Oh, I'm looking forward to uh, picking up a number one, even though a number two is coming out this week, because, hey, uh, Digital Comics let me save a dollar on Comixology. Uh, so for two ninety nine, I will be picking up uh, The Magdalena, number one, written by Teeny Howard and Ryan Cady, and art being done by Kristen DiBari. Dabari. Um, this is the old uh, Magdal- Image Comics Magdalena coming back. Uh, this is a young Magdalena being trained by uh, an older woman. Maybe pa- maybe her name is Patience. I don't know. I never read the original Magdalena series. I did like... Didn't they come out with a, like a couple cross-gen, cross-gen one-shots? No, that was... Uh, that was a Top Cow book. Oh, Top Cow book. I wasn't listening to anything you said. I thought Magdalena was cross-gen. No. Okay, well, anyways, it was an old series that I didn't pick up I think from an imprint cow. that from <laughs> uh, imprint that I wasn't really reading at the time. Uh, <laughs> Top Cow. Even though they had the darkness, right? Yes. And Witchblade. Yes. And they were all in the same universe. No. Don't know about that, maybe. Okay. I never. I honestly never read any of those books either, though. Uh, but people seem to really like that line, uh, and Magdalena is one that keeps on popping back up every once in a while. So uh, I'm excited to see what it's all about and uh, get down on the ten feet above the ground floor, which is would be the first floor, but not the ground floor. So the second floor, because the second issue. But I'm gonna. Buy the John. First Please, please talk about something else. It's Friday, and I'm punchy. Uh, I am going to be picking up Batman The Shadow, written by Scott Snyder and Steve Orlando, with art by Raleigh Rossmo. Uh, And this is um, a murder has happened in Gotham City, and it looks like the culprit is Lamont Cranston, who's been dead for 55 years. And Batman is trying to figure out where he's come from and who is the murderer is and this is going to be a noir brian Brian cranston Cranston. (laughs) this is going to be a noir style book uh with batman in the shadow and there's really nothing else coming out this week that interested me at all so this book was like "Eh, i could pick that up it's a really light week for comic books it is. This is honestly the only thing I will pick up. And the reason I'm picking it up is because there's nothing else I want this week. Yeah, I'm, uh, 
I'm looking forward to a number two, even though I haven't read the number one yet. It seems like it's going to be my favorite of the upcoming X-Men relaunch books. And this is going to be X-Men Gold number two. And this is written by Mark Guggenheim with art by Adrian Siff. He heard us talk about this last week in The Week in Geek. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's an X-Men team being led by Kitty Pride with Storm, Nightcrawler, Colossus, Jubilee. It's old old man Logan. Like it's it's a cool team. I'm looking forward to that one. Like I'm only buying two other books, like Nightwing and Green Lanterns. Like that's it. So why not something fresh? Was Prime that we read just like a intro to what's going to be happening? Yeah, yeah. Prime was basically like the okay. giant size. Like, hey, here's here's going to be gold. This is yeah. this is what the book. These are what the books are going to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, because yep. that was weird that it was like crossing everything. Okay. Yeah, it was like and it, it was, was like the hype book. It was like a zero issue almost. For I was like, the oh, three yeah. that are coming they're out. really explaining to me what's been happening in the uh, X Men world. Okay, we can talk about that later when we review yeah. it. Yeah, but right now we got a dramatic reading. Or no, we always do beer first, Paul. Come on. Beer. Do we? I have no idea what we do anymore. Well, that's, why don't we do this beer, Paul? Sure, it's too juicy. And this is uh, 8.2 alcohol by volume from Two Roads. Hey, Two Roads. I- I've been enjoying them quite a bit. Uh, this is a New England style IPA. But is it? Is it? Because because <laughs> there are other ones, like uh, the Bitten, the Twice Bitten, or what, what is that one called? The one with the snakes on it. Oh, uh, Road to Ruin. Road to Ruin. That one is... That is a great double IPA. That is a great double IPA. Oh, this is a New England-style IPA, not a New England-style double IPA. So maybe that's why I'm like, oh, it's just very light. I'm so spoiled now with all these great double IPAs and big bad boys. And even the um, New England styles that we've had in the past. This is the first time I've been let down by what... They're, they're saying their beer is supposed to be. Right. Uh, I didn't super care for their Saison that they did, but I also said, well, that's a really good Saison. Yeah. Um, they and have a tall boy can't. They have a Hefeweizen out there that is delicious, hmm. that I think is fantastic. And you don't need to cut it with anything? No. And I don't like Hefeweizens that much. Yeah, I know. Not I only actually, you. I bought two tall boys of it because I was like, these are going to be great when I'm doing yard work. Um, <laughs> or numb checking. Or numb checking. The, the thing about this is at 8.2%, this is incredibly light. With his what eight point two percent? I forgot. I just said that. Uh, you would not know that it is that light. This is tastes like a session. It's very super easy drinking. Yeah, it's so light tasting. The, it has like one hundred and fifty IBUs. Yeah, the uh, just the flavor on this guy is not. I don't know. It's just not delivering it for me. And this is one that is supposed to be highly recommended from the brewery. When I think they've done so much other better stuff it's it's a good 3.75 maybe even a 4 it's nice light and juicy <laughs> <laughs> it's good and drinkable it's not a double ipa so i don't so it doesn't need to be big and out of the box this is this is a solid beer it's not it's a solid beer i'd say it's a 3 well of course you would say it's a 3 cuz you i i my bell curve is completely different <laughs> than you guys you're like three is like something I I would I don't begrudge drinking it. Yeah, I anything would drink, I would drink it again. I wouldn't mm-hmm. actively seek it out. I would seek this out on my mood. Thirteen ninety nine a four pack. 
hard to seek this out on my mood for that price point. Now that I hear the price point, I'm 19, now at 3.25. Nineteen ninety nine for a 12-pack of Born Again yesterday. Yeah, so knowing the price, it, I was thinking this was a lower price point than their double IPAs or their no. session, and it's not. So That's the lowest of it. It's a four. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a 3.25. Uh, 3.25. That's better. That Yeah. That's where it should be. Thank you for approving of what well, I think. I am. I, I do. I, Paul, I think we need someone to like rate your beers with you. <laughs> kind of talk you through it. So that everything's a four. It's a four. No. Let's think about this. Paul, you found a sock floating in it. It's a four because I got, hey, free sock. <laughs> hey, Dolby would have rated it a five. He would have. He was... He's, he's a free elf. <laughs> hey, free sock. Uh, <laughs> episode title, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's right there. That's what I wrote down. Uh, Chris, did you open up your next beer? Are you going to wait till uh, the main topic? No, I was going to wait until we were into the review. I just finished the, my Fruitwood. Nice, yeah. No rush. We had I'm super, not rushing. Don't you make me. We had super easy crushable mm-hmm. born again yesterday. And also super easy drinking and crushable too juicy. Slow me down a bit. It, uh, man, I'm... I mean, I'm halfway I'm done oh, I'm with halfway Tall Boy. Yeah. Uh, but that'll take us into our dramatic reading. That's not how we introduce it. No, I gotta... I, I don't remember... I, wrote, you, I don't know. You set yourself up for it. No, yeah. and I... Well, because I moved my... I moved my It's a Maricrotti. I moved my sheet that has the page and panel number. And now, a dramatic reading from a Maricrotti... Page four, panel six. Uh, don't kick pale ale. No kung fu lager. Bloodsport no pilsner. Uh, kickbox elsewhere pumpkin ale. Oh, that last one's a seasonal. Surprise us. And that was a dramatic reading from America Karate, page four, panel six. That was a very apt panel for our podcast. I know. I, I was thumbing through and I saw that. I was like, oh, this is perfect. And that was very good reading. Good job, Chris. Hey, Me Chris. Too. I, I enjoyed it. En- you were worried about which voice you were going to use. I had to think about it. I like your old man librarian voice. That was pretty good. He's a bartender. Yeah. He could also be an old man uh, librarian. Nope. He's a bartender. Oh. <laughs> and you know what else about him, Paul? Uh, he doesn't he, like karate. He puts karate. all of his beers at a four. <laughs> yes, he does. You'd Especially like the it. seasonal. You'd like it. It's a four. He's excited about that seasonal. Uh, and that'll take us into our main topic. And since we just did a reading from Karate number one, let us uh, review this Dangers Action Lab Danger Zone published comic. Mm-hmm. Written by Corey Coleman and Brockton McKinney, with art by Divin Roth, and this is a post-apocalyptic world where uh, karate master, with his backpack filled with his armless, legless brother, who lost his arms and legs from karate in a karate accident. Uh, has sworn not to do karate as he walks the earth with his brother wearing jeans 
in a jean vest. Well, also, karate, karate's outlawed, too. Yes. Well, in that one town. In that town. Of Baconville. Uh, he goes to this town where he ends up having to use his karate because of the death of his brother. This book is nonsense, fun. It's a gag. 80s. It, I mean, it has that feel of just over-the-top 80s bad movie. It's kind of like Kung Fury. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed this one. I had fun with this book. The art style lets you know that you're supposed to be having mm. fun with this book. Um, there's nothing like super crazy memorable about the book, but it just fun. It hits, it hits the Kung Fu eighties mm-hmm. kind of note for me. It's written for me. A te- well, it's a very teenage humor book, like a very adolescent kind of humor, especially the, uh, when he's like going through all oh, he's, uh, that's I'm not going to let a scrotum with in a necktie tell me what to do. And they go, <laughs> and then they go through the bar and then name all the genitalia people that are in the bar. And I'm like, oh, this gag is getting too old. And then even they say they gag, they went too far with the gag. And I'm like, oh, when Paul thinks you went too far with a gag. You went too far. Because I will run a gag into the ground. And, and you know, that's what they do. It's, what are you going to do? It's a gag book. It's, I'm, I can't believe it's an ongoing, but good on them. It's, Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> as far as I know, uh, maybe it's only a four-issue miniseries, but, the, but four issues of this, good luck. <laughs> like... What do you want? Yeah, I, I think I I could read three issues of this before I was finally like, okay, I've I've seen everything that this kind of book has to offer. Um, it's not something I would seek out to read. Um, since it was brought to the table, I read it, <laughs> and it was a it was a fun, different little book from what I would normally pick up. From everything so, yeah. I hear from you, you're saying it's a four. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's not something else that like it's not something I would like actively go read more of yeah it's because what else is there to it like it's gonna be like i'm i'm trying to think what else i can say about it but there's really nothing else that i can dollar 99 okay it's a a buck 99 book it's i just thought it was fun i picked up issue two i probably did he laugh at all when he read it or because most of it i'm like oh oh i didn't i don't think i laughed out loud but i found humor in it right I saw where they were going with the humor, and I just kept on, like, it didn't land for me. Because I'm like, oh, Baconville. Oh, that's that's kind of clever. It's a, oh, like, it's a street he... that outlawed karate because, you know, flash, uh, because of uh, Jump Back. Uh, not Flash Dance, the other one. Footloose. Footloose. Yeah, like, like I, I, I mean, I said, there's not there's nothing much to this book. I just thought it was kind of fun, and I yeah. picked it up because it's been... I'm glad I've we had, read it because I've had it was... a lot of... Of light weeks, and this was super cheap, and I just thought, you know, fun, not crazy. The style reminded me a lot of Adventure Time, and uh, what was the not regular show, Ren Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, no, regular show is one of them though. It's kind of like that. But even like every time they draw the guy, he has this huge like codpiece thing going on. It's kind of weird. He's got a bulge. He's got a bulge (laughs) in his tight jeans with his like American flag belt buckle. Mm -hmm. Uh. 
Yeah, it, just just a fun book. That was that's the only point to this to it. Are you sure it's post-apocalyptic world and not just the 1980s? Because the 1980s were pretty post-apocalyptic from what I remember. Maybe. I'll have to research that. Yeah, research that. Get back to me. <laughs> look look you, at the book again. Are you picking up number two? Did he pick up number two? I picked up number two. I, cause Did I it think, get better? I didn't read it yet. Oh. Did it get worse? <laughs> Not that see, I I'm, know of. I'm guessing it can only be more of the same, though. Like I don't see it becoming yeah. more or or less. It just it just is. Well, I think... With him losing the brother, it's going to be a, a slightly quieter book unless you got a lot more, like, thought balloons or, or, you know, character captions, which I, which could, you know, which lends itself to be a little more dull, I think. But maybe they just really play up that strong, silent, like, Rambo-style hero now. There's a scene where he's like Rambo. Okay. Well, Yeah. And see how predictable the book is? <laughs> like, all right, I'm done with it. It's yeah, they could offer me a free sock, and I would still leave it. There's just not a lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. It's not Next. bad, but just yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. Next pick, which is better, Red Queens number one. Red Queens number one. This is volume two. Basically, volume two. This is a continuation of the Curtis Weeby. Uh, Rat Queen's um, story, uh, starting with the number one after, I think, 12 or 13 issues of the first kind of volume. Um, and this is with new artist Owen uh, Genie. Um, and this is a continue on with our heroines uh, who have now f- have a fifth member who's kind of the female ogre mm-hmm. character. Uh, Braga, Braga. Yeah. Uh, who also, like, can be... Uh, there's a... She once was a guy? I don't know. I, there was a weird um, annual that told her story. Oh, I remember. Story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was odd. Uh, but the book's great. It's a Dungeons & Dragons, fun, comedic-esque, uh, Lord of the Ringsy fantasy book. Um, and it's about these uh, five women, a wizard, uh, well, a sorceress, mm-hmm. a kind of a voodoo priestess the uh gnome the dwarf and the ogre who go on different adventures yeah for a time it's it's low fantasy it's not because lord of the rings is more high fantasy it's the you know dwells over the whole you know the fate of the whole world where this is low fantasy because it's telling a story of you know one adventuring squad in a town uh, for the literary folks out there i would still consider this high fantasy though just with like the character types, the archetypes. And I mean, like the second arc of like the first series, like there's like the, a doomsday cult and it was like worshiping a demon. Like, yeah. They did save the race, world. Like, mm. like the world was, okay. I forgot about that, Chris. Thank you. I, no, I, I enjoyed this book. Um, I, I like rat queens. I like what it is. I like that. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Like everything it does is firmly like tongue in cheek or, tongue in someone else's cheeks kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, it's It's got a sense of humor, and I appreciate it. I kind of fell off of it. I know you were still buying it. Um, it's just one of those books that I would download, but I didn't actually ever get around to reading. So this new number one doesn't actually read like a number one because it just kind of continues on with the story that was happening. 
and there's nothing that kind of catches me up on like the last few episodes that I yeah. missed because now Hannah's dad's there, like they're living with him or something. I I don't know. Yeah, there's this brother that's involved. It's uh, it doesn't take well, you. I think you I think you meet um Violet's brother in the first series. You do. Oh, and talking yeah. about Violet. I was gonna say I recognized him when she shaved her beard. But it was one of those things like you see him and then it doesn't really get around to who he is until like a couple pages later, I think. I have to say, Dame Violet parties like Vacation Paul. Or Vacation Paul wishes he could uh, party like Dame Violet. Uh, that's all I know. So that's why I texted you guys, or messaged you guys, Dame Violet equals Vacation Paul. See, I didn't understand that. Until now, now I get it. Now you get it? I, I okay. totally was like, um, whatever, Paul! If you're a fan of the series, I think this is, you know, this is more of the same. Like, this is, it's a good book. But if you're looking for a reason to jump onto Rat Queens, I don't think this would be the number one to kind of get you there. I would say just go back and read like it. two years ago to like the actual number one. And now that they're actually all released and you don't need to like wait around for months yeah. and months, uh, you can get it all in collected volumes, which is nice. And you can do also, that by going to or Amazon.com slash Board. Come on. You, will, yeah, you want to buy stuff. You want Doesn't to cost you anything extra. Yeah. You wanted to um, give me a plug. I did want to say the art for this one, I don't think it's up to the same quality that we had in the previous arcs or volumes or however you want to look at it. Um, I didn't it's not bad, but like, there's one panel where Hannah's like bending over to talk to somebody and it looks like she's sitting in an invisible chair. And I'm like, people don't stand like that. That's weird. And it was one of those things like it just completely took me out of reading the book and then like. Wow, that I is a Paul getting, moment, Chris. I know, I it really was because I started getting like super judgy about it, like it just completely like threw me off, like threw me off, and took me out of the book. Um, I found that panel I right away. I don't have too. it open because I don't want to like. When I talk to small children, I actually stand like that. Am I weird? Yeah, you are. Because I, I don't like a ninety degree angle though. What, and it goes Lights to those don't work kids. That way. I rated a four. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it was. <laughs> He stood up and then... Yeah, this is how I talk to small children. I'm like, hey, what's going on? I, I can't Very see imposing. anything, but it sounds like his pants are off. <laughs> well, they always are. When I, I podcast, podcast them. I wasn't going to put on pants for a visual. Come on. It's radio. Nobody can hear me. <laughs> I can what? hear it. Stop. Listen, do you smell that? <laughs> Favorite Ghostbusters joke. Favorite Ghostbusters joke. Really, that? <laughs> yes! It's so clever. Stop. Listen, can you smell that? <laughs> it's right at the beginning, too. What's your favorite Ghostbuster joke, Mr. Judgy? Yeah. Ooh. Thought so. You don't even uh, have one. Yes, it's no. true. <laughs> this man has no dick. That's, a, That's good a really good one. That's a good one. I don't know, I really like, and the flowers are still on the table. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, ooh, ooh. Oh, you got to try this poll. It's really good, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. We should stay here tonight. Get a feel for this place. Ghostbusters is just a great movie all around. Mm-hmm. I think we're all in agreement of that. I would put it at a 4. Um, <laughs> I'd put it at a 4.25. We're all talking about how great of a movie Ghostbusters 1 is, by the way. Not Ghostbusters 2. Oh, Ghostbusters 2 is awesome. Ghostbusters 2 would definitely be at a four. 
It's not better than Ghostbusters 1. Game is Beak of the Carpathian. Hey, who told you guys to cut here? Like, it's, it's such a ridiculous movie. I love it. Mm-hmm. Boss. Anyways, um, do we, we have more to say about Rat Queens? Or? I think we're good. I think it's fun. Um, if you enjoy Ghostbusters, you enjoy Rat Queens. I also enjoy the other beer that I'm having. Ooh, Ooh. the other beer that you're having. That sounds delicious. And I just poured my next beer. And this is something we've had on the show multiple times before uh, throughout the years and multiple times on some episodes with beers from the years. And this is Sierra Nevada's Bigfoot Barley Wine Style Ale. And this is the 2017 version of it. And I said this off off show before. Uh, Paul, I think you were getting something else. Uh, I said this to John. But, man, I feel like I need whatever you guys are drinking to chase this or at least just a glass of water for every sip that I take because <laughs> this is really hoppy and mm. just it dries my tongue out with every single sip but it's still so good we have a lot of this uh, aging in our basement yes I I feel like I need to age the other five that I have because Ooh. they need to like level out a little bit because man it's a lot mm-hmm. like even after like everything that we were saying like I don't know how long we were paused for but here I am now and I drank about half of this uh the bigfoot uh we did a vertical a couple years ago because we had like um 2011 12 13 and 14 and 14 at the time was fresh and then we drank them you know the fresh and then hey it got better at the 2013 and then it got better at the 2012 and then, gosh darn, that was a really good barley wine at 2011. And we were going to wait till that 14 hit the 11 point to then go back and try them again and say and see yeah. it, better or worse was that four years, you know, another four years with that beer. Um, and I think we're, we're just waiting for the time when, you know, all of us are back together. Yeah. And, is it is it time? Are we four years? I think we're. I think we're. I think we should. It is time. Um, I, I think it would be because wasn't it like 2013. I think it, oh, I, it, we, we'd have to go back and check all the Jesus caps. Christ. 2013 was four years ago, guys. Uh, four, not 17. All the all the caps, <laughs> all the caps have the the year on them, so yeah. you can tell which yeah. one's which. So yeah, yeah their just, branding's really clear on that, which I really appreciate because you don't have to search on the bottle to see what the date on it is they I, they redid their image and everything for their box and the, each mm-hmm. bottle and it looks bad it looks really cheesy it looks worse than what their images were beforehand hmm. which uh, weren't great which weren't it does. Great. It's, re- it's really cartoony looking it, it looks like like before it was owners, all landscapes like the owner's like uh son who's kind of good at art he it's like they got him one time. a book on how to draw cartoons, hmm. and then they're like, "All right, Scott McCloud now." <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, and and as soon as Chris like off off show said like, "Oh yeah, I it's I need I need to, something to chase it," and I was like, "Super hoppy, right?" Mm-hmm. And it is. It's a very hoppy barley wine. Oh, and uh, they say heaps of whole cone Pacific Northwest hops. Which I mean, I yeah. always like more of like the citrus hops than the uh, piney hops. Then they're northwest, like yeah, the piney, like the resiny hops, like the stuff that they use for torpedo. 
yeah. celebration. Like Sierra Nevada is not my go-to for hops because they tend to use that West Coast style. And there's nothing wrong with that, but man, this this definitely a sipper. Yeah, and I think I mean it just gets it gets better with age. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it's, it does have that nice barley wine sweetness right off the top, though. Like it's did you? Buy, it has that promise for tomorrow. Did you buy? Uh... It's a six pack now, right? Too. Yep. Yeah, it came in a six pack. Bef- yeah, in it was previous a years, pack. it's a four pack, and it's like the same price for the beer, but you get extra. Um, you get two extra beers now. I. You get seven. I got my. I got my paycheck from working at Star Wars Celebration, which was partially overtime. Hmm. Um, so it was definitely a treat myself kind of day. That's why I got that bottle of Angel's Envy. Um, I got the six pack of this. I got. Like I did a craft your own six pack with. Um, I got two fruit woods, and then I got four beer f- beers from Southern Tier. So I, hmm. I I spent a bit, but I think the six pack was only twelve ninety nine. Yeah, I think that's what we uh, I sell it for. It was it was a really good um, twelve ninety nine, really good price point 12... for something that I'm going to enjoy for like possibly years. Four to come. years, yeah. yeah. Uh, but also, it's twelve twelve ninety nine for like what like a ten percent barley wine. Uh, nine point six. Nine point six. I checked it earlier. Rounding up. Um, and just to put it into perspective, I spent fifteen ninety nine on that four pack of Fruitwood. Mm. Which I'm like, I don't know what I'll wind up doing with the rest of these. Like, I mean, if you liked cheesecake, you could reduce that down with some cherries and then drizzle that over a cheesecake. I think it'd be pretty delicious. You know, I you, think that'd be good. You know, you you have to hang out with to do that though. Ed. 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 Uh, I I have to say, like, it's not bourbon barrel or maple barrel aged, but Omegang Rosetta is a re- it's a really nice cherry ale. I was going to say that about Fruitwood. I enjoy Fruitwood a little bit more than Three Philosophers, though. Not see, oh, you're a Three Philosophers guy. I, I am yeah, a Three Philosophers fanboy. Three Philosophers over it is because it's not as har- harsh on the alcohol. But also that's a, it's that's not, a Belgian think, double yeah. or a Belgian quad with cherry Cherries. lambic uh-huh. blended with it. It's right. apples and oranges right there. Right, right. But just cherry flavor, fruit flavor. Like I, I enjoy just sipping on the fruit wood. I think it's an easier drink than Three Philosophers. I, I think it's an easier drink, but Three Philosophers is just – there's so much going on with that. Mm-hmm. Like that's a beer – to just sip and savor, like it has such a nice rounded for, um, flavor but profile to it. Like, that's how I would enjoy the fruitwood too, though, is sip and savor beer. So, uh, granted, they're two different beers, they're two different styles, but emotionally, quote unquote, like I don't know, like that mindset or that mood that I'm in, like those are the two beers that I would like put together and be like, oh, which one would I rather sip and like kind of see i need something sweet something like a little fruity a fruity sweetness i'd rather go with fruitwood than three philosophers see i don't drink three philosophers for the fruitiness of the beer oh really yeah uh because i don't think the fruit is the standout point of that beer it's a quad that has this nice subtle cherryness to it that it's a i get a big cherry I yeah, get but... a big cherry punch on it, though. Like, I drink it for the cherry flavor. Like, I'm like, I want a fruity, a big fruity beer. Three Philosophers. I have never fruit thought one. Three Philosophers, big fruity beer. 
to sip on. I and I'm not I'm not. You big. shouldn't play Blood Rage or uh, or Dragon, Dragon Age. Age. But it, <laughs> and then uh, here's the thing: is I'm not a huge fan of Three Philosophers. It's actually mm-hmm. pro- one of my least favorite Omegang beers. Wow, that's one of my top Omegang beers. But I would drink Three Philosophers over uh, Fruitwood. Fruitwood any day of the week. But I would pay you to not have to drink uh, Fruitwood to drink to drink that. But how about I, if you I wanted would, a big passion fruit beer? The entire time I was drinking the Fruitwood, I was just kind of thinking, I wish this was a KBS or a CBS instead. Uh, and, and here's, but that's a whole different ball game there. The KBS. It is, but CBS. at that point, instead of using the resources for something like Fruitwood. Mm-hmm. I would rather have them put that into making something like CBS or KBS just more readily okay. available or at least available maybe a couple times a year. So it wasn't one of those more hard-to-find but, beers. Now, what if I told you, Paul, yes. that I have a bourbon barrel-aged bottle of Three Philosophers I'm sitting and waiting to give to you for your birthday? I'm so excited for that. It's, this table might be standing on more than four legs. Whoa! I hope everybody got that reference there. Your uh, penis. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. No, John, that is not the episode title. <laughs> Your penis. <laughs> nope. <laughs> iTunes would reject it. <laughs> Your pen is. My pen fifteen. There you uh, go. <laughs> I that works too. I still like a free sock, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, I, that's what I bought when uh, I was I'm... an Obi Gang to for your birthday. Of all the things that I could uh-huh. spend my money on, there, oh, I that... bought you a gift because uh-huh. I said Paul has to have this. And then when you're saying Fruitwood is better, <laughs> my I was like bullshit. That guy doesn't know I what I got to... sitting in for him. Well, a bourbon age. Bring it over. Whoa, whoa, whoa! A bourbon age three philosophers is completely different. Bring it over and just pour it down the drain in front of him as you're handing him a fruit wood. You made this choice. This is for you, Paul. And then I kick you in the nuts. It would be redundant at that point. (laughs) I would have no longer have nuts. They would have been reduced. So Paul wouldn't have nuts, but what do you guys have right now? Uh, this is from Stillwater uh, Brewery Brewery Collective. Like they seem like they would be kind of pompous, like They're that. Artisanal contemporary yeah. works by Stillwater. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is their New Tropic. Uh, this is the Indian Pale Ale with mango and passion fruit, and this is a six percent alcohol by volume. And this is a big fruity beer. Yeah, big time. Uh, uh, passion fruit. It's a passion fruit tartness that you get off this. Mm-hmm. Very enjoyable. And mango makes it so smooth. Um, I get the mouthfeel of, like, mango. You know how mango, when you eat it, it's kind of got a creaminess to it? This almost has a creaminess mouthfeel quality, which in an IPA is weird and different. It's, and that's um, why I love this one so much. It's, it's really nice flowing over the tongue mm-hmm. because you get that sweet, then you get this tart, and then once you finish swallowing, all of a sudden you get that bitter IPA mm-hmm. kind of ness to it. Really nice. I'm glad I pointed this out for you to yeah. pick up because I have yet to get around to buying it myself. 
I might have to buy another four-pack of this. I got it still. Okay, well, put it in the back with my other beer. I got it. I got enough on the shelf. Okay, good. Uh, if I see it running low, I'll just... Oh, yeah, crap. yeah. Kate said this is this would be her perfect summertime beer. And Kate is just trying to... Uh, Kate, that's the name of my wife. Uh, she's just trying to get into my beer. Wife. and I uh, get into uh, beers now. Like, because she's, like, sees how much I enjoy them and how much money I spend on them <laughs> and how much is taking up space in her basement. Where has she been for the past <laughs> ten years? Uh, she's been just fine drinking grape juice wine, feeling fine. Hobo wine. Super juicy, <laughs> cheap wine. Yep. Concord grape wine. The best that Smuckers has to offer. Uh, <laughs> Hobo Jim's wine. Uh, but no, she's, she's been kind of growing into it. Like she'll ask to, uh, have uh, like, well, she doesn't quite ask, but I'm like, oh, you should take a sip of this. And then she'll be like, oh, wow, this is really good. Uh, and this is the first one. She's like, can I have another sip? This is, this is perfect porch drinking beer. Uh, right here. This new tropic. Better than, uh, was it fresh slice? Cause that was really good. Fresh slice from, uh, was that Otter Creek? Otter Creek, yeah. That was really yeah. good, too. But back and back in cans. Ooh, that might be good. Uh, this comes in a four-pack. I don't know the price because I don't ask for price because I'm an idiot. Uh, I think it's $9.99. What? That is a stupid low price for this great beer. I was thinking $11.99 I would be willing to pay for this beer at a four-pack so. can. And these are uh, short boys. These aren't tall boys. These are just 12-ounce. But these are great. Uh, one of my, this might be one of my favorite summertime beers right now. Yeah, um, I would keep this in stock on my shelves. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I mean, I'm I'm gonna kick this too juicy out of my store and bring in more uh, new tropic. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, John and I reviewed uh, some Archie comics that we would keep in our stores if we had a comic book store. Uh, the uh, Archie, what is it called? Ar- not Archie Undead. What, is, what was it called? Afterlife of oh, Archie. After, yeah, Afterlife with Afterlife Archie. Afterlife with Archie, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, we read the first issue of that, and we both agreed that one of us, me, would need to buy the trade and do it as their trade and policy. So look forward to that coming up very soon, listeners. Uh, Afterlife with Archie. Um, so they're continuing this horror line with Archie. Uh, over at Archie Comics, with a one-shot... Jug- Not in continuity. Yeah, this is a one-shot. It's called Jughead the Hunger. Uh, script by Frank Terry Terrier, and art by Michael Walsh. Um, and so, I liked Michael Walsh's art in the beginning, by, by, but by the end of the book, I was like, eh, not that great. Yeah, because he starts off more sketchy, more inky, uh, well, it looks like he's really trying to be like uh, Francesco Francovelli. Yeah, yeah, at the beginning with the ho- very horror comic, and then he tries to do the Archie comic by the end, and it just didn't work. He needed to really start to stay and with Francovelli was able to still capture the look of those characters for you to look at him and know who's mm-hmm. who, and he doesn't do that with these characters, aside from just hair color. Mm-hmm. And this, well, even in the book, it's very, uh, like, 
monotone. Like they have. It is, and I feel like everything that you're saying is kind of more of like a coloring thing because the, the book just kind of has the same like yellow like pinks. layer put over all of it. Yeah, yellow, pinks, and blues. Yeah, which I mean that's the Francovellian look, mm-hmm. but Francovellian makes it work. Work. Yeah. Uh, and so it was, this, it's not a bad looking book. Uh, it does definitely feel more like a horror book. I mean, this isn't something that you would pick up and think it was like the actual Archie or Jughead book. Like the artwork is set apart enough that you pick this up, you know, it's something meant to be creepy and different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy what they're doing with Archie. I really do. I, it feels like they're they're treating with this book. No, well. With this book, with after like with Archie, with all the other with, with Mark Wade's Mark Wade's Archie run, even with uh, the CW, which I haven't seen, uh, Archie's it seems like Archie Comics is treating Archie like it's already in the public domain. Like they're just like yeah, whatever you guys want to do with the character, fine, whatever, cool. Uh, Joke has a werewolf, sure, that sounds good. Do it, yeah. you know, it's like. Archie Comics is already in the public domain without it actually being in the public domain. They're just, like, letting anything run. And then you got uh, Betty Cooper being Buffy the Vampire Slayer all of a sudden, which is kind of crazy and fun. Uh, it's not as good as Afterlife with Archie, but I thought it was still interesting. I do like that it's Archie just being a best friend and he's going to, like, stand by Jughead no matter what. And then, you know, the werewolf just takes, goes too far. Just goes across the line. Uh, yeah, this is something that I, I I enjoyed reading. I was kind of surprised to find out that it was just a one-shot, because I think this is something that would stand on the shelves alongside Afterlife with Archie and do well on its own. Um, and honestly, reading this made me want to check out, like, that Archie book. And then they also kind of tease, or not tease, but they mention um, I can't remember the, the name of the Sabrina book that's also like oh, the yeah. horror one, mm-hmm. like the the bone-chilling tales of Sabrina the Teenage Witch or something like that. And, but well, it made me want to be like, oh, you know what, like those these are probably like really cool, fun books to read that I just I haven't dipped my toe into them yet. Uh, Chris, spoilers for Afterlife with Archie number one. The reason the zombie apocalypse starts is because Jughead goes to Sabrina to save his dog, which I'm forgetting his very, name of. Uh, isn't it Hot Dog? Hot Dog. Yeah, yeah Hot Dog. Uh, it's very like uh, Stephen King Pet Cemetery. Um, and also, I, I'm okay with this. And also, it sounds fun. Chris, so, just wait because it's going to be Paul's next uh, trade yeah. policy. So Sabrina I, plays a major role in Afterlife with Archie. And I think having had read Afterlife with Archie, at least issue mm-hmm. one. Which could have been a one shot, uh, the way you know, kind of it ends. You know where it's, mm-hmm. in a way, you know where it's going to go. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm grading this one so heavily, right? Because it was just a few weeks ago that yeah. we, we read that other one, and that's a couple year old book. That's why I picked this one up. If it wasn't for Afterlife, if we didn't like Afterlife with Archie so much, I would have never picked up this book. Yeah. And I think ha- if we had read Afterlife when it came out a few years ago and had time in between those books, and then we got th- and then we mm-hmm. read this one, we'd go, "Oh yeah, it's the fun like that one uh, that I remember a couple mm-hmm. years ago." It's the re- it's back. 
Guys, it's back! It would be like one of those moments. Exactly, but instead it's, hey, it's good. It's not, this isn't as good, and uh, this is me reading it uh, fairly quickly, but uh, we had a bit of time between, you know, the beginning of the podcast when I said I hadn't read it, and, and now, and I think it's doing, it's, Afterlife with Archie is the Archie universe thrown into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this, we don't get a little bit of the backstory of how Jughead becomes a, a werewolf, which I, we haven't said. Uh, it's called Jughead the Hunger. Like you walk, you walk into knowing what you're getting. Uh, but they, but they, they, they talk but, about it a but, little bit because Betty Cooper comes yeah, in. It's, and, it's and in his jeans. But yeah. it's uh, he should have changed his pants. We're not, but we're not getting the same. Betty that we've had in the comic books, yeah. where in Afterlife with Archie, it's, the, it's still the same characters. Mm-hmm. They're not changing anything. And See, that's I why feel I'm... like they didn't change too much, and uh, my frame of reference might be off on this because I didn't read Afterlife with Archie yet. But it it starts off with them sitting at an all-you-can-eat buffet and Jughead almost eating the place out of business. <laughs> or they offer him a blank check. It, and it's it seems like, oh, you know, it's it is those characters. And even Betty does kind of make reference to this where she's like, no, like I was brought into your group because this was going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. I'm still friends with you guys because like those attachments were made, but I'm here to do my job. Like, so I feel like the characters aren't too far removed from it because like the first batch of this, if you change the artwork a little bit, it would read just like a regular Archie book until like that kid gets like torn apart on the street. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> it's there. And I think that's, what part of the fun of this was it's Archie turning into a horror book. I just wish the artwork had reflected that switch a little bit more than just being that consistent tone throughout. And how, John, John. how you're feeling about this book is how we felt about afterlife with Archie. Mm-hmm. And I think so that's, good. that is the big, the big difference between us with this book, Chris, mm-hmm. at, but least, John. at least between you and me. And I don't, I don't want to say that I have huge fault with this book, but I'm comparing it to Afterlife which, with Archie. Which could be a little bit unfair because we should judge the book as its own book. But John, and judging don't cliss. Judging it, that's the thing. Like you, you can't because this doesn't exist in a vacuum. If this was created on its own, just as like a thing that they were doing as a one shot, maybe. But this came out because Afterlife with Archie was a thing and it did well. And, and this book, this book is is good. It's fun. It delivers what it's supposed to be. And like I said too, like if we had had read Afterlife with Archie two years ago when it came out, this would be like going back yeah. home and being mm-hmm. really excited about it. The, and we're like wondering what other one shots they could possibly yeah, like, do in oh, that hey, horror what genre. What else could they do? And I would look forward to. It every time. Veronica is a it's, vampire because that's obvious. Uh, yeah, or you know, Moose is a uh, Frankenstein. Like, Moose, yeah. Oh my God, Moose is telling me Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the only problem I have with this book is the fact that like two two to three weeks ago I read Afterlife <laughs> yeah. with Archie, and they do it, and you know it's going to keep going, and they do it, they do it better, and that's and that's that, that's the only problem is, is if this. If I had read the other book a couple years ago mm-hmm. and then read this, I'd be super psyched and happy and said they nailed it. Mm-hmm. The only problem is 
Afterlife was Archie was done better. And I just <laughs> I am comparing the two because yeah. I just read both of them. But I I think this this definitely is a B plus to A minus. Afterlife so is a, four. a is a <laughs> is a is a uh, is a a plus oh, after you know so five nice I'm, I look forward so, to reading that a five uh, yeah <laughs> uh, John just remember we don't tell Chris that I'm a secret vampire hunter I'm just waiting for Chris to turn that's that's why we're all friends so, no, so no we're friends game. because for a while nobody else would be a friend. <laughs> and we're big enough losers that, you know, we needed you and you needed us. But if Chris ever turns. Well, if Chris ever turns, I'm the one who puts a stake uh, in his heart. Uh, or, the bullet, say no, if, or the bullet in his head. If I ever turn, like, you guys are going to become vampires too, and then we just do this forever. No. Oh, no. shit. No, Lost I'm sorry, boys. guys. Party never ends, guys. Part of the Valentine Helsings. I can't. Bullshit. I married it. The You're life from Texas, you son of a bitch. Oh, uh, who kills Dracula? Texas? A motherfucking Texan. What are you talking about? You look it up. The original Dracula, in the novel, a Texan kills Dracula. Yeah. I'm not looking that up. There it and is. And I choose not to believe it. Well, you can choose not to believe it, but in the novel. Anyways, comic books. Yeah. Not word books with friends, guys. We're not talking word books. A three-year-old joke that will never become a podcast. I, I, I feel like it should be at some point. Yeah, we know. not even a podcast, just like an episode that we do or something. Every once like in a, every a while. Recurring like thing, a fifth, yeah. Like a fifth week event? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but then we would need Janet on the show. And just, no, we don't. Just in case she has we Skype. Just, we just add one person... Every month, you know, somebody different every time. Yeah, but she's a book reader. Yeah, she re- she loves books. She word loves books. the word of books. Anyways. Anyways, comic you books. You bought comic books, right, Chris? I, I bought some comic books, and one of them uh, we talked about up at the beginning when we were discussing The Weekend Geek, and this is X-Men Prime, number one. And this is setting off the resurrection with an X in the middle of it because it's an X-Men event. Um this takes place after the Inhumans X-Men War, which was the thing. We read one of them for, look back, maybe, what, three months ago, Paul? Yeah. IVX is your book? I don't even know. Death of X, was that it? Death of X, yeah. That was it, yeah. We we didn't pay attention to it. But it's okay, because here we are now with uh, X-Men Prime number one. This is written by Mark Guggenheim, Colin Bunn, and Greg Pak, three of the writers that will be actually handling the X-Books spinning out from this and here we are uh we're basically living with sending me stuff about some writer probably from uh, texas don't care it's uh, quincy morris who's the texan that kills dracula stabs him with a bowie knife yeah doesn't even use a stake doesn't need to this is bullshit from texan ken lashley and ibram robertson and, yeah, this is Storm coming to Kitty Pride, basically being like, you know what? I'm out. I've been an X-Men member and leader for so long. Things went wrong underneath me. Uh, I'm tapping you. You're, you're in charge now. Best of luck with everything. And in the midst of all this, we basically get glimpses of what are kind of going to be the core teams for 
the uh, X-Men Gold, X-Men Blue, and then also the new Weapon X book coming out. Yeah, this is the, yeah, maybe even X-Force, right? I, I think I think that's the Weapon X book, because it's Old Man Logan, Sabretooth. Oh, that's uh, Sabretooth Warpath. next to him? Lady Deathstrike, Lady uh, Deathstrike Domino. Domino. Domino's a character that I've never really seen or gotten into. Like See, I know I've never really read her in like the nineties X Force when like that was a book that I would pick up every now and then because I had like a trading card package with it. I was too interested like, that's in That's legit like the only time I ever read it. <laughs> I was only reading X Factor back then, so uh I, I guess I missed the boat. But she, I guess she's a popular character. Like it, she keeps on recurring. It's kinda like the key. Uh, later on, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Not at all, I think he... Um, but I, I feel like this reads as a good zero issue for the three upcoming X-Men books, uh, two of which that I planned on buying because, you know, they're called X-Men Gold and X-Men Blue. Like, yeah, that's... you grew up as an X-Men fan in the 90s, like, that just kind of hits you in that sweet spot. Weapon X I have no interest in, but it's because it's taking place in that, like quote-unquote darker side of the x universe that i i've never really cared for like your your x forces what i Um, what i liked about this book was it caught you up on everything that's been happening in the x universe mm -hmm. in an interesting way like it's it it does it with you knowing that it's doing it and before we record and we talked about this i i was like when you were talking about gold and yellow, and I was like, wait, is Prime the zero issue for all of these? And you guys were like, yeah. I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. And that's the thing. Like, this, it reads like a dense book, but it's only 30 pages. It covers a lot of ground in those, like, 30 pages just with the story, what's been happening since the last time I read or cared about X-Men, and then kind of letting you know what's going on with those characters because the only young X-Men stuff that I've really read was when they had that, uh, battle, the Adam crossover that went between like X-Men and Wolverine and the X-Men and like one of the other books. Yeah. And then I get to see young Cyclops in champions. That's, that's it for those characters. That's, I have no real frame of reference for them. So it was good actually kind of seeing them again to prep me for what I'm going to read with number one when we do next month's look back. With, right. well, uh, Angel's got fire wings. I, yeah, I don't get it. I'm going to put up my hate shield uh, and get ready for this. Okay. This book made me really enjoy that we read the Dark Phoenix Saga. Oh, God. <laughs> because, you know, that whole Kitty Fuck Pride. you. I just, I, I'm sorry, I'm texting my wife and I just got what you said. And I was like, no, the whole because this whole book harkens back to the Dark Phoenix saga and the introduction of Kitty Pryde, like her relationship with Colossus, her relationship with meeting. But with here's the thing: you don't need to read. Storm is anything. the reason that Kitty Pryde joined the X Men, though. Like her talking okay. over the Paul, soda fountain. You don't need to have read that to get that because. Anytime Kitty Pride pops up in a book, they always have flashbacks to all that stuff that happens. Like, anytime Kitty Pride appears, like, the ex writers feel the need to actually explain, like, no, she's been around. She was the point of entry character for X Men yeah. in, like, the early 80s. Like, mm-hmm. you know her, you love her. And it's true, I know her, I love her. 
but they still insist on doing that. Even when like they have her walk into uh, Colossus's room, they still do the whole flashback thing with like the great moments in Kitty Pride and Colossus history. Yeah. It's, it's something that's constantly kind of being shoved at you much like the destruction of Krypton or the shooting of the Wayne's like they constantly feel the need to be like, Nope, Kitty pride. Here we go again. Look yeah. at it. Professor X is a jerk. There you are. And continue. <laughs> they, they did not do the professor. X. I kept on waiting for that moment from astonishing X-Men See, because you've <laughs> because... been conditioned to expect it. <laughs> I have been, but it, it'll happen. But I'm just saying, reading the dark Phoenix saga, it added that layer for me. Like, okay, cool. Like I get, Oh, of course it's storm trying to get Kitty Pride back because Kitty Pride was introduced by, to the X-Men by Storm. Like, it's... Like, I can appreciate it more as a comic book, like, uh, meme, mythos. Like the full circleness. The full circleness because of it. I do not think it is because of <laughs> Dark Phoenix Saga. And I'm going to take that and shove it up your ass. <laughs> it is because we've had those moments with... Uh, Joss Whedon's X-Men run where he brought Kitty Pride back in and then he brought Colossus back in. And we have those moments with Kitty Pride. We mm-hmm. also have the moment of... But not with Storm and Kitty Pride. Of Wolverine and the X-Men and bringing her back into the X-Men. This is just another reason to have her brought back into the X-Men. Yes, we have just recently... Yeah. Red, yeah. <laughs> Red. Slumped through. Skimmed through. Skimmed through. We got to this point in the malted milk shop mm-hmm. where her and Pietre were getting her there, and then they went to go see Dazzler throw up in my mouth. <laughs> where, yes, she was present in Professor X talking to her parents, and I'm pretty sure using mind control to make <laughs> them send her with them but yeah okay you had that moment and i can see a small connection to them sitting across from each other at a table. in a mall shop <laughs> but i think you have more interesting things with kitty pride throughout the years that are actually better moments with her always finding her way back home to the X-Man. Her facing a giant bullet through the Earth. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about being, that at all. Yep, being lost in space, and then being discovered but by the is, Guardians of the Galaxy. This is one of those characters... This is one of those characters that is always coming back to the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And they always use her as that point of coming back to the X-Team. This is the new mm-hmm. X-Team. You know why? Kitty Pride's joining them. And that's just in the last ten years that they've done <laughs> This is the third time. The third time, yeah. Yeah. And I do have to say so much of this read a lot like what happened in Astonishing X-Men, except Kitty Pride saying instead of Cyclops with, no, we need to be heroes. We can't be hiding. We need yeah. to be we need to be where everyone sees us. And I was like, I, I feel like I just read it, even though it was when Astonishing X-Men number one came out. Like, it was probably like 13 years ago now. I don't even remember anymore. It, it was, pre-podcast. I've been married for 10 but, years almost 11 it was before i was married because we read it to kate in voices because she was sick remember that chris that sounds like that does sound like something that happened yeah but 
Yes, like, it was at Kate's house, wasn't it? It was at Kate's parents' house. Yeah. Because she was still living with her parents. Much like Celine Dion, it's all coming back to me now. (laughs) But I I did enjoy this book because I know we've – it does sound like we've been ragging on it, but it is hitting those notes that I like about the X-Men because every time I'm like, oh, hey, it's a new X-Men book to get into, it does hit those notes. The only thing I hate about it is the price point because it – because it is because you both you both bought it yeah we both bought it and i made plans to buy it i don't know why you bought it well because it's paul he does that i didn't check when i've I've been slacking with my comic book picks for uh the lookbacks too so this was and april are kind of like my months right like i invested more so anyways what i was saying is it feels like a free comic book day like a kind of launch title like hey look at all the books that we're going to be launching and they still charge you five bucks for it. Yeah, and that's Marvel. Yeah. And it's Marvel, and it was five bucks, but it, it was one of those things like when you see it, when you put it to your cart on Comics Out, it's like, oof, four ninety nine. okay, uh, whatever, I'll continue. But after reading it, I didn't feel like, oh, I spent four ninety nine for that. I, I read it. I enjoyed it. It got me excited to read Gold and Blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can see where this is a good point to let you know their launching point for these new X-Men books, which there's so much crazy stuff happening in this universe that, yeah, you need this catch-up. The things that I got from it, I went, oh, yeah, that happened, and then continued reading, and then, oh, yeah, that happened, and then continued reading, and then, like, oh, this is where they're going with it. Okay, so... It, it it definitely does a good job delivering what this book is supposed to be. And the fact that it is the book that you read to let you know where gold and blue mm-hmm. and weapon X are, are going out of this. I kind of would be more interested in reading the weapon X book. Okay. Just to see where that is going. But if, it, it seems like Weapon X is going to be the Suicide Squad now. Yeah, but here's the thing: is if it Weapon X issue one is four ninety nine, I am not buying it. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, gonna. I, it will be. It's it's the uh, it's yeah the because the, the other two are four ninety nine. And, that, and, and that's the thing that I'm going to go pass. I'm going to pass on that. Uh, and I don't remember what we left off uh, talking about, but that's going to lead us into our next book. Uh, Titans Annual, number one. And this is the Titans meeting the Justice League. I think for the first time in new continuity, like, we haven't seen the two of them, like, together in, like, a crossover. Yeah, it seemed like some of the characters were, like, confused about the other's motives. And it just, I don't know, this whole book seemed weird. Well, this this written by... Uh, Dan Abnett, who's been writing the actual Titans book, and then art by Minkyu Young, or Zhang, I'm not sure pronunciation, Mm -hmm. but there we go. And this is is an annual. It's someone abducting both the Justice League and the Titans, and then kind of throwing them in almost like a labyrinth-type situation. It's not someone. Uh, It's the key, and I only know who the key is because I I had a hero clip. (laughs) Uh, No, no, we knew who the key was. 
He, he showed was in, up. Like, what was it, Outsiders or something, or like Justice League of America? Justice League of America. He yeah. showed up during after uh, we had the hero click. Maybe after you had the hero click, but he showed up during the uh, uh, Brad Meltzer run because Brad Meltzer loves the key. Yeah, but uh, the keys like abducted them while working for someone else. It seems uh, we don't know what the motives were, but the villain behind the door to sow seeds of dissension between both groups and get them to not trust each other and lead to infighting to weaken those bonds that keep them together uh, from mentor to protege to across the team. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, it reads like an annual, like it's definitely something you don't need to read because it's just going to lead into another book down the road. And then just going to be a footnote like, Oh, see Titans annual number one for more. Mm -hmm. But you do Uh, need to read it because it has great Barry and Wally moments where everyone else is a shit to each other. <laughs> Barry and Wally are still like, Hey man, I love you. And then Wally's like, you know what, man? I love you too. Yeah, this is why he took on this mantle. But and this, this, this is ahead. why I, I bought that book though, because this is our first real step into that legacy of the DC universe that we, we grew up reading. This is what we knew and loved before it was taken away from us. Uh, I just remember this, this whole, every, every panel that I read, I just kept on thinking about a uh, word balloon. Chris, you've been listening to those uh, Mm -hmm. from John Sonstris with uh, uh, Brian Michael Bendis. And he often describes how, uh, when he's trying to find the voice of a character or voices of characters, uh, he never really wants to pick out one character and find their voice. What he likes to do is bring the whole team together and then lock them in a room and just imagine the conversations that would happen if all those characters were locked in a room. And that's all this issue was, was this, all these characters locked in a room. So it felt more like a writer's exercise than a, a, a story because honestly granted there is a story arc where they end at a place of like a little bit more distrust but it was just kind of all random like oh there's parademons now attacking and I just felt like it was a writer's exercise more so than a storytelling device uh, I would agree I I I I enjoyed this book to a point. I enjoyed the... So it's a four! I enjoyed the Wally, and you're you're trying to make that the episode title. Uh, I'm making it a running gag throughout the episode. See, a running gag needs to be me and Chris playing it against you. Uh. <laughs> I can't have my own running gag? You can, but... It's just epidemic. It's just a music, and it just runs out of steam before it can even... No, it's across the you're starting doing, line. You're doing a great job with it, and it's been funny every time you use it. And I'm not patronizing you when I say that. It's true. Every time you say it, I chuckle. I I do enjoy it. And you've Chris, been doing he's patronizing it. me. And you've been doing it. You've been doing it right. You've John been, might be the vampire I've been searching for all these years. I'm I'm honestly saying like you do it every time. It's the perfect. It's the perfect time when you do it. You're like, so it's a four. <laughs> it's great. It's every time, and I enjoy it. I really do. And I'm not, I'm seriously, I'm not trying to be patronizing by telling you that. He's so patronizing, know, just like a vampire. I know you need that, affer- you know, you need to be told <laughs> that. It, yeah, yeah. yeah, I need to be affirmed. Yeah, yeah. 
you need that. I need that affirmation. But how about this book? Unlike how Dick needs that from Batman. Uh, The things I liked about this was Wally and Barry. I'm the Garth of the Aquaman relationship. I understand. I see that now. And the play of how separate and different Dick and Batman are. And how no one else is noticing what Batman's doing but Dick. Like, Mm -hmm. Dick... Dick has his – he gets it. He he knows the man. You know, he knows the man. He grew up with the guy. He knows exactly what's going on. He's able to pay attention to what's going on over here and what's going on with Batman over here. And I think those are the best moments that are played in these books with the characters that I really have a connection to. Aquaman I thought was Dick in this book. Uh, Garth? I also thought was it but I think, oh my yeah, lord they're, they're kind of dicky but also that's it's it does make sense like even just how they present it it's like no I'm a founding member of the Justice League and a king and then when Dick comes in like well I'm one of the founding members of the Titans and Aquaman's like oh and you're king of what mm-hmm. it, it's dicky but it's a regal dickiness that when you hear you're like oh yeah no it, it makes sense Dick should but have been also, like the circus also, then I appreciate it later when it's like after Batman shows up and it's like, oh, he's in charge now, and it's like, no. As soon as Batman's in any room, the pecking order changes. Like, <laughs> it might be a writer's exercise, but it's a writer's exercise that's done well because it does not. And then you do have that distance between Wonder Woman and Donna Troy, and it might come off as like off-putting, but you do find out that they do have a new and different relationship in the um, Rebirth universe. And it's something that's news to Donna Troy. Like, this is a complete, like, revamp of her origin again, which, you know, it's a consistency for her. Like, she's always going to be someone different whenever they do a new uh, universe or reintroduce her. And it's a tie-in to Wonder Woman mythos as well, with the being made out of clay. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's I, I I like this I appreciate it and yeah you know what this could be just like an annual but annuals are supposed to be like that kind of fun read that it's not going to change the course of anything but it gives you backstory into those characters or those relationships I enjoyed it probably not my favorite book of the month but as someone that's been buying Titans and not reading Justice League like this is. This reads well alongside the rest of the Titans book. This is exactly what you would think a X-Men Prime would be, like where it's just exploring characters. It's like the same – it's the opposite side of the same coin. Like, okay, Yeah, X-Men how, Prime was more story set up. It's story set up and they're going to spring off from, you know, like what these books will be. But here again, I feel like, oh, this is what Titans is going to be and this is what they're going to explore. There's a big bad that they're setting up. And also maybe the Justice League a little bit, like where the Justice League is now. I feel like these two stories are kind of similar in like just trying to sell you the books. And I think it works as an annual. It's an annual mm-hmm. that is launching the next story arc. Yeah. And you don't need to read this. The next mm-hmm. story arc should start, and then it just be like. Check out what happened in Annual Number One. I enjoyed this and liked this for the fact of the Barry 
and Wally stuff. Mm-hmm. I think those were the best touches to this book. And then it was the Nightwing and Batman. Like, they just... Yeah. Like, those those worked. And you saw the relationship, and it's a relationship that I know is a relationship those characters have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun to see the key. Uh, I'm glad that I didn't have to pay the money to read this and get to read it. Yeah. The only thing with the Nightwing Batman stuff is now that, like, I kind of wish the death of Batman and the return of Batman mattered in this universe, where Batman would be like, no, you were a good Batman. Like, you really helped out my son. Damien, more so than I could. But I think that's not. But that's not. That's not this universe. That, well, n- not only that. That's, that's not. not Batman, that's not yeah. Batman. Yeah. I, I. But I want it. I want that growth of that character. I want him to respect Bat- Dick Grayson more. Batman's not about growth, though. Unfortunately, I mean, this is a dude that's been dressing up as a bat and taking out criminals every night mm-hmm. since his parents died when he was seven. Like. There's no growth to him. He's stuck in that moment and will forever be stuck in it. I mean, mm-hmm. even with the stuff you've seen in him, like Batman Beyond, like yeah. he's an old broken man, but he's still fighting that fight. Like there's no end for him. There's no no point that it, it ever gets any better. And I, I believe and I feel that Batman does have respect for Dick Grayson. And I think over Damian Wayne, he would refer to Dick Grayson as his son. And I believe he had, I mean, just in the fact that he adopted him and he did mm-hmm. all of that. Uh, no, no, no. He never adopts Dick Grayson. Uh, that's a big sticking point with him and uh, Tim Drake. They talk about it constantly. They talked about it constantly during the Tim Drake run. Like, he's a ward. But he never accepts becoming the actual true heir of the of the I Wayne portrait. I feel like he did. Chris, you're the I Batman want... expert. You're the Nightwing expert. I want to say when they did the like the Scott Snyder number one, like they were all sons of. Yeah, I think he adopted like all he, of uh, Bruce Wayne. Like I don't uh, know where that stands in like the Rebirth universe now. Mm-hmm. I feel but that like kind of like the sticking point, like. Mm-hmm. And I like I mean even in the fact like in the in the Nightwing in the Nightwing universe pre mm-hmm. New Fifty Two, right. if you think back to that issue where Deathstroke is trying to kill Grayson's police partner, okay, he yes, calls, yes, he calls he calls Bruce up to get a you bunch know, a load of money, to get a load of money. Now, let me tell you a story about this uh, comic book panel. Because I had it made into an overhead projection and used it in one of my college classes for a 10-page paper that I had to write for estate planning. <laughs> because Bruce Wayne uh, would never, like, let his estate go to probate, which is, you know, uh, estate planning courses... Uh, which would become, which would be open to the public. So he would have it all tied down into, uh, you know, trusts and like very secretive like ways. Uh, and I actually use that panel where Nightwing just throws a whole bunch of money at Deathstroke, being like, "You were paid 
X amount to kill this person. I will pay you one dollar more. I'm, I'm paying you one dollar more. And I, I use that panel in this this college discussion for estate planning because I was an economics major. And that's what I, I, just, I just did some googling while Paul was telling his his story, and then it did seem like yes, um, they were all adopted by Bruce Wayne, mm. and that his his like full name is technically um, Richard Grayson Wayne, but he goes by just Dick Grayson, as to not like capitalize off of the fact that he's a Wayne. But here's the thing: is he mm-hmm. would he has the ability and the feeling to call up and be like. Bruce, I need, you know, forty thousand dollars and one dollar. Forty thousand and one dollar, yeah. Can you give me that? And him just being like, yeah, whatever, of course, and not ask mm-hmm. like why, just be like, yeah, you got it. Well, that's that's college tuition, right? Like, <laughs> he's a police officer at the time. Mm-hmm. He was, but I, I like that's that's the relationship, and that's I. That issue seems very pivotal for us for some reason. No, no. <laughs> I don't know why. It's a big moment for both of us to be like that was a that was a turning moment for me and Bruce, and then you be like, "Hey, no, that's not." Uh, I don't know what the fucking point was. I enjoyed this book. I'm glad I didn't have to pay whatever the yeah, yeah. price was for it. Four ninety nine. It was an annual. Four ninety nine for a writer's exercise, a little much. It's not necessary to read. The moments I got out of it were a quarter of what the book was, and I took more out of it being a old school, late nineties, two thousand DC fan, and I think I put more of my own things into it and really got more out of it than I should have. I'm just saying that uh, Bruce Wayne is a lot more like the Waltons family, uh, the owners of the Walmart, than a lot of people uh, are led to believe. Uh, check out my college private, uh, thesis paper about uh, estate planning for more. No. No, don't. Don't do that. But what you should do is rate and review us over on the iTunes. Didn't we have another book? Nope. That was the last one. one. That's it. We're done. Wrap it up. The the extra book we did was yours. Oh, yeah. Talked about that in between them all. Mm -hmm. All right. We both bought X-Men Prime. Okay. Now I remember. Yeah. Rating and reviews. iTunes. It's always fun. Gives us giggles. Gives us laughs.